Feed me a question here. Ask me about the most expensive movies ever made. What do you mean? Ask me what the most expensive movies ever made are. What are the most expensive movies ever made? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> get started what is onion ring sasquatch comes from an episode of trailer park boys they always come up with weird ways of calling randy fat <laughs> so this is a hairy guy who's eating onion rings or something there's fat guys who probably eats onion rings the onion ring sam squanch well hello anybody out there thanks for tuning in this is onion ring sasquatch ors at the movies this is where we ruin cody's childhood one movie at a time my name is greg i go by my rap handle g money clip and with me today is the man who literally returned from the dead, Commando Cody, the warrior of the wasteland, the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Welcome back. It has been just about a year since we did this last time. Yeah, it's been one year. So I suppose you can expect <laughs> the next episode in December routine. of 2018. How are we choosing movies now? I don't remember what made you choose Con Air in the first place, but... At the end, you mentioned another movie you were thinking about doing would be Waterworld. We decided to go from the friendly skies to the briny deep, and we're going to see if Waterworld sinks or swims. Cody's got his stuff all digital, and mine, I'm just handwriting. I'm like the Michael Scott. Real business is done on paper, okay? Write that down. Doing the homework on it, I kind of noticed some weird stuff. First of all, this had got a 6.1 on IMDb. <laughs> Conair has a 6.8, just for comparison. Rotten Tomatoes score of 42%, which, you know, that's always kind of hit or miss for a movie that's as old as this, because you don't really get all the reviews in real time. You get a lot of retrospective stuff. This came out July 28th of 1995, and I was working at the AMC Westerville Theater, so I actually got to see this in theaters at the time, but I had not seen it since then, so this was the first time I'd seen this movie in 22 years. Wow. Was it busy at the theater? Did people come to watch this? It was okay. It did all right. Box office-wise, this made about $88 million, but in 1995, there were only 10 movies that broke $100 million, and none of them broke 200. So that just shows how much ticket prices have gone up in the last 22 years. What, do you know any of those movies off the top of your head? Uh, the biggest one was Toy Story, Toy Story, which came out later. Uh, there was also Batman Forever, Apollo 13, 7, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Great movies. It was kind of a weak summer. There really weren't like massively huge hits, and this kind of came out in the middle of it. Now, before the movie even came out, we had tons of bad press concerning the production, how long it was taking, how much it was costing. And this is stuff you heard about. Yeah, this was stuff you'd see on newscasts, you know, you still have Entertainment Tonight or whatever would be talking about that sort of thing. Not so much on the internet, it was still sort of in the early days, but you'd see stuff in the newspapers or magazines, they'd be talking about Waterworld and how much it was going overboard. They were calling it Fishtar, they called it Kevin's Gate, referring to Ishtar and, and Heaven's Gate, movies that had notorious budget problems. And it ended up costing, in 1995 dollars, $175 million which to put it in today's terms would be about $270 million. 
Wow. That's unheard of. $270 million. Not as unheard of as you think. Because Waterworld, if you adjust it for inflation, is now only the 10th most expensive movie ever made. Really? Number nine, John Carter, cost $275 million. That These was, are the adjusted inflation that was numbers. Disney trying to lash out, grab the Avatar shit. Number eighty, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, which cost two hundred and seventy nine million. Number seven, Avengers: The Age of Ultron. That definitely made two hundred and eighty three million. Tangled. Wow. Cost two hundred and eighty six million dollars. Why? I don't know. Number five, Spider Man three, two hundred ninety eight million dollars. Titanic would be number four. That cost about two hundred ninety eight million dollars. Number three, Justice League, keeping it relevant. In 2017, 300 million dollars. They finally released that. Estimated. 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 I was gonna say they never said, they, but it had million. to be very expensive. Issues with Superman's upper lip. We can't make the guy shave his mustache. He's under contract. We'll just <laughs> digitally do his upper lip. Exactly. Um, number two, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End cost an estimated 347 million, and the most expensive movie of all time. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Why? $403 million. Wow. What? It was 378 and a half at the time. You adjusted for inflation six years on. Disney, what are you doing? Million. Why? Why? I do notice that a lot of these had a lot of water involved with them. You know, you got two <laughs> pirate movies, you got the Titanic, you got Waterworld. Seems water. like if you want to make an expensive movie, do it on the ocean. That's where the scores can really change. That's ridiculous. Some of the folks involved with this, Kevin Costner, he had really got to prominence with Bull Durham, and then he was in stuff like JFK, he had Dances with Wolves, which won the Oscars, and he had directed that. He was in The Bodyguard a couple years before this, and he was just a massive star at the time, and I think that's probably why he wanted to tackle a project like this. So it was directed by Kevin Reynolds, who had directed Costner in Robin Hood a couple years earlier, and in his first movie, Fandango, back in 1985. This is written by David Twoey. He wrote the script for G.I. Jane, and he also did the Riddick movies. Oh, man. So Pitch Black, movies. Chronicles of Riddick, all that. He like directed those, those as well. G.I. Jane's really good, too. He said Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, was a big inspiration on this, which is pretty apparent as yeah, you go through the movie. They also brought in Joss Whedon as a script doctor. He said he worked on the movie for about seven weeks and described it as seven weeks of hell. <laughs> really? Yeah. He said it was just a mess, because Kevin Reynolds actually ended up leaving the production before it was completed. And Kevin Costner took over directing. No way. Yes way. Wow. He took over. He was doing a lot of backseat directing anyway, so the guy finally got pissed and just took off. And at one point he was quoted as saying that Kevin Costner should only be in movies that he directs himself. That way he can work with both his favorite actor and his favorite director. <laughs> so it was not a smooth production to say the least. They had originally set a budget for $100 million. They blew past that. They were filming off of Hawaii and didn't bother to research the part they were filming in. And they, if they had, they would have known it was routinely subject to 45 mile an hour winds, which were constantly blowing sets out of position, camera boats out of position, ruining shots, just causing all kinds of trouble. So they had a lot of weather delays that pushed it back. It's just one of those things where they didn't plan for that much. And now Disney releases three or four movies it seems like a year that's over 200 million oh yeah that's funny how times have changed money is definitely different in the 90s and kevin costner ended up putting 22 million dollars of his own into this to kind really? of help him get it's everything finished well. up yeah so does it sink or swim i guess we'll uh, get started here and we'll kick off the movie they do an interesting little thing where you see the Universal logo and then all of a sudden they start to zoom that. in and it starts showing the water levels rising and we get the movie trailer guy yeah. telling us the polar ice caps have melted in the world where the polar ice caps have melted because everything's in a world with that dude. In a world where the sun burns gold, 
In a world that's powered by violence. In a world filled with violence. In a world where owning a radio was strictly forbidden. In a world without gas. The future. The polar ice caps have melted, covering the earth with water. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. I really like the classic Universal logo, mm -hmm. but not only did he explain it, but he quickly rushed through it. They don't say anything about how it happened or why it happened. It's like the polar ice caps have melted and there's no land anywhere. Which is, there's nothing wrong with that because Mad Max does that. But Mad yeah. Max doesn't tell you anything. You just have to assume that it's a nuclear war, but why would anybody nuke Australia? That makes no sense. In this case, it just says the polar ice caps have melted. But it shows all the land on Earth disappearing. The problem is, of course, that this is absolute crap because if all the ice caps and everything on Earth did melt, the sea level would rise about 216 feet. <laughs> Florida would be in trouble, but New York City. Lot, yeah, the coastlines and islands, but there would still be plenty of land. Well, the first scene, you see Kevin Costner's ass, and he's just peeing. It's like, <laughs> he's what? literally taking the piss. It's the first thing in the movie, <laughs> is you see him just pissing into a cup. But yeah, they hold on his ass for a long time. It's in there like Dana Carvey on SNL. Look at it! Accept it! Look at it, Dennis! Look at my butt! Yeah, it was like Mountain Dew colored pee. It looked more like a greenish yellow. <laughs> but he's doing that because it's showing us that he's got a water filtration system where he pours the stuff in there and pumps it through the filters and he drinks body temperature water. It's gross. He's surrounded by an entire planet full of water, but he is drinking his own urine. Yeah, if you have this... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just get a scoop of seawater and pour it in there and yeah. filter that shit? You're surrounded by water <laughs> and you have these sweet inventions, these MacGyver inventions. You yeah. think someone can't go away to with condensation or something to get the, the water out of the seawater. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got the thing with the pumps and all that. It's like, yeah. you can't use that? I don't know, maybe the seawater would mess it up. So we see he's got a lime tree, and he's got this kind of MacGyver thing. He goes diving down looking for stuff to salvage. This thing with the little ball bearings where he drops them in there. It's kind of like BBs. a timer as they go through. Yeah, like BBs. It sets off a timer eventually that wheels him back up when enough time has passed, enough BBs have dropped down. And we see someone who's stolen his limes yeah. while he's underwater. Yeah, that's why his piece of green. But he pops back up, sees a boat next to his, and he goes over and he's got a fucking harpoon gun where he's going to threaten this guy. The guy is telling him that he didn't board the boat. He tells him that there's an atoll eight days to the east where you can go hang out, trade stuff, whatever. Well, the one thing, too, is he gives him that advice. And he said, oh, that's just free advice. And he goes, nothing's free in Waterworld. And he's clearly talking to the audience. He wants to present it as this is a ruthless world. But why would you say that to him? Clearly this guy knows nothing's free in Waterworld. Well, it seems like these guys kind of have their own rules, because there's another guy that shows up later, another drifter, and they seem to have little flags for symbols, and they have their own rules of trading, and things that they tell us about, but they haven't really 100% established. There's definitely like some kind of a behavior code in this world. We get scared off by the smokers, these guys off in the distance on jet skis. We see this close-up shot of them, and they just look like absolute Muppets. It looks like they wandered off a Mad Max set. They're just wearing this random stuff, and they got smoke dirt faces, and it's, they just kind of look silly. And they flip out when they see them, though. It's like, oh my god, they're scared to death of these guys. They look like clowns. I guess it's good you can't see them up close yet. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that's one thing, a continuing theme of this movie is there's a lot of dirty people. You guys are literally in the world's largest bath. <laughs> just hop in the water, you just get that off a little bit, clean up. That's salt water, it's kind of nasty, I guess. The guy starts sailing off, and this is like so stupid. He goes sailing off, and then he's kind of like, hey, Kevin Costner, look, I got all your lines, bitch. Why would you show him that you stole from him? The way thievery works is you keep quiet about it until you've gotten away with it. He's sailing off in his little boat, Kevin Costner's on this racing trimaran which has these <laughs> things where he can unfurl his sails in five seconds and he can zip around at 30 knots. Why would you show him those lines? If you rob somebody who's standing next to their Porsche, you're in your pinto holding out money out the window like, haha, I got your money, and then you drive away and expect that he can't catch you in his Porsche. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're an idiot. Just keep quiet. Now all you've done is piss Kevin Costner off. <laughs> he spends most of the movie pissed off. He goes and races around and recovers the stuff that he had salvaged and still has time to go over and catch up to the dude who stole his limes, break his mast, and leave him for the smokers. So it ends badly for him. He's got a really cool boat. It's got all this automatic stuff. Just kind of throws a switch or two and he can get the mast out and go racing off. And I was thinking watching this, my granddad would probably get a kick out of this because he was always into sailing. Yeah. He had like a couple sailboats, like a little small one and a bigger one when I was a kid. The way that the sailors are the good guys and the smokers who use all the motorboats oh, and power technology I and everything like that are like that. the bad guys, you know, the guys that use the gasoline. Oh, and, I never yeah, thought about that. Thinking, well, well he might just thing. want to watch the America's Cup instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing that is a continuous theme in this movie is clearly they had a message in this movie and that mm -hmm. was environmental yeah it's one of those things where they don't tell you about it i mean you can obviously piece it together when you're watching it at least they don't have people every five minutes stopping and talking to the camera though it was because of this the day after tomorrow the, wait didn't they have kevin costner too now it was a bunch of different people so the toll sort of like a floating island but it's like a man-made thing because they have these big walls built up it's very cool kevin costner's got to get there and have him open the gate he speaks some kind of weird language at first and he did to the the trader at the beginning as well but then it just turns out eh, everybody speaks english anyway which is convenient for us you said some of the traders use some like weird like portuguese Portuguese greek i think he yeah. called it so i guess it's a mix of a couple different languages so he's trying to get in the place he talks to him in this weird language they just say shut up speak english they tell him to go away, but then he shows him he's got a jar full of dirt. So they're like, let him in. He's got dirt. They treat dirt like it's Bitcoin oh, or something. It's better than gold. We have to get this guy in here and trade the dirt. Something clearly happened to the fish here. They're butchering the largest hammerhead shark I've ever seen. The yeah. Like yeah they had 40 feet long. Cut like big chunks out of it. Yeah, and it had yeah. massive bones. The atoll, was that technically land? Because there was a tree there. I'm not sure. I think they just have something where they set it out and they got these mounds yeah. of dirt and they're able to like get a tree in most there most definitely because tolls sort of are usually sand so you can't really yeah. find anything there anyways there's this woman they dump her into some kind of weird recycling goo they the call it recycling yep i guess you're supposed to decompose in that and somehow it's like a compost stuff to help yeah composting and i then that's the... don't know how long that would take part of the problem with the movies they'd have no indication of how long it's been since the world flooded well, so, they call us the ancients, so clearly it had to happen a while ago. But Yeah, but it doesn't say if it's been hundreds of years. A lot of stuff happened in this movie that were good ideas, but they were never panned out or talked about again. There's probably a lot on the cutting room floor. So Kevin Costner pulls in and parks, and then he takes great fun in blinding small children with a <laughs> rearview mirror from the car. Tells the kids that they'll each get one if they watch his stuff. So clearly he's able to get all this sort of stuff. And while he's trading in his dirt, the guy who's trading it with tastes it and says, Pure dirt. <laughs> what you know this is all right and then we see one of the bad guys in his amazing hair 
This guy looks like he should be in fucking White Snake or something with his hair. It's amazing 80s hair in the middle of 1995. God, he had this face that just wanted to punch the whole Looked like a Thundercat. He had like the Lion-O hair. <laughs> and then we meet Jean Triplehorn. She's kind of like a bartender, but she's also running the store that has... It's like a Russian store from the 80s. There's nothing on the shelves. <laughs> so he's trying to trade in all this stuff he got for his dirt, but there's really nothing to trade it for. He even says the store's pretty empty. Yeah. Emphasizing how desperate this atoll is. He ends up taking the shells anyway. He's like, yeah, there's nothing in them, but I'm just going to take the shells because you don't have anything else to trade. And then we meet the little girl. We see her. She's got like this tattoo on the middle of her back. And it's like she wandered right in from 2017. <laughs> like a six-year-old kid with a tattoo. And we can see that they're trying to keep her out of sight. The bad guy there is trying to take notice of her. Like they're aware from the start that some kind of a map. The bad guys are because they're trying to get her from the start. The bad guy um, is kind of seems to be friends with everybody. But then later reveals, you know, it's real that he's a spy. Yeah, he's a smoker spy. Then we get all kinds of weird stuff going on. Okay, he buys a tomato plant. She says it's going to cost half his chits and he just dumps them out and doesn't bother to count them. You better count those, dude. It's not like dirt grows on trees. Oh, wait. Not really. As he's getting ready to leave, he's loading up all his stuff. The elders say, hey, while you're here, why don't you knock this girl up? Because <laughs> inbreeding, we don't want to do too much of that because that's kind of a bad thing. Make her pregnant. And he's like, uh, no, I just want to get out of here with my stuff. <laughs> we'll give you whatever. He's like, you don't have anything. <laughs> that's the cool part about this movie is it's very... The imagination on this is so great. And they've thought about everything and done some cool stuff. Like, they want to avoid inbreeding and really pan stuff out. And it's cool world that would have been sweet to see in, like, several sequels. They do a good job of world building, like you say. They definitely got a society sort of set up, and they show how it works. And the fact that having anything is a luxury. Because there's, like, nothing after everything had flooded. So if you have dirt, you can put a plant in or a seed or something. It's the most amazing thing. So because Kevin Costner turned down this woman, they become suspicious of him. They don't want to let him leave, and they start to fight him. In the fight, they notice, like, Yankee on his ears and find out he's got gills behind his ears. Everybody goes batshit. <laughs> and starts yelling, mutant. Mutant. Mutation! And mutations do not work like this. I, I you know, I get, you gotta <laughs> spread the imagination here. Mutations don't just give you stuff that would, that would work best. It's like an X-Men. <laughs> yeah, you just don't uh, evolve, evolve into this stuff. The gills... Everybody knows that, as yells as if there's other people they've known that had this. Mm -hmm. Clearly states that's a, probably another species. I don't know. It's very confusing. Well, in real life, most mutations are debilitating kind of things. Yeah. Like, if you have a fly with six wings, it's not going to live very long. <laughs> Anytime you see, like, a mutation where something weird has happened in real life, it's very detrimental. They don't ever seem to pass that on because they die so quickly. And again, we have no idea how long it's been, but it doesn't seem like it's been long enough because, you know, evolution is supposed to take billions of years or whatever, and all of a sudden people just start growing gills because there's water around. I don't know about that. So then we meet Michael Jeter, the crazy old man with the balloon. He's trying to get the girls off the atoll. He's trying to figure out if it's a map on her back, and she says she doesn't know. It looks like it's some kind of writing in Chinese with a mountain. He goes out to talk to Kevin Costner, who they've got caged up, while they decide what they're going to do with him. Turns out he's got webbed feet, too. So he's turning into a fish. They decide that they're going to sentence him to be recycled, and I guess they aren't going to kill him first, because they just start to lower him into this <laughs> stuff. But then the smokers attack. We see them, like, out of Apocalypse Now, they're coming out of the sunrise, and there's, like, oh, yeah, dozens had... and dozens of boats. and uh, They even had military patrol boats. 
Oh, they had tons of stuff, man. They had yeah. jet skis, they had patrol boats, they had... They've got all the technology, the machine guns, you know, all these gas-powered vehicles. Where'd they get this stuff? Yeah, and clearly it's not been long enough to create mutations. They still have bullets that work? Yeah. That was the thing. You remember Mad Max in, in the Road Warrior had like a shotgun Short that had like one shell? Yeah. And he went to shoot the guy and it just kind of went puff because yeah. it wasn't any good. And that was way less than however many hundreds of years this is supposed to be. So they have these machine guns with the working bullets. They've got gasoline. Where they're getting that from, I have no idea because you don't see it. So you see the the difference in the technology. The good guys are using water cannons <laughs> and flaming arrows to try and keep them out. Which reminds me of Mad Max. Because they have the flamethrower. Yep, and the flamethrower. Let me show you how a man uses a flamethrower. They're circling the atoll, trying to get in, and they're fighting them and shooting up stuff with a machine gun. And then all of a sudden, you see these water skiers coming along, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> being towed by a plane. I'm like, what the fuck is this, SeaWorld? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Shamu? They got a ramp set up for these water skiers to jump over into the atoll, and then they do the same thing with the jet skis, start jumping the ramp mm -hmm. and going in there, too. So they get inside and start messing stuff up. The action scene, there's a lot going on, and they really put it together well. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of people, a lot of moving cool. parts michael jeter he accidentally sets his balloon in motion starts inflating it and he's mm -hmm. like oh come on girls we got to get out of here and he's clearly like the scientist of the atoll or something like that yeah i don't know he figured out how to make helium or that they had tanks laying around or something some of the stuff they have laying around is just so random the quad a gun that the smokers use too with the uh, guessing 30 cal 430 30 or 30 yeah. or 50 yeah it was really cool because they had like little kids running around and like cleaning the barrels for them yeah they had them cleaning the barrels out there and i they did have a part where you see them real quick like a bucket trying to scoop the brass the, spent, yeah. the brass back in there so i imagine that would kind of imply the that they've got ways to reload it to make bullets but we don't see it ever again that's the only little thing we have to indicate that so in the fracas one of the smokers gets shot off of his jet ski and he lands on top of kevin costner's cage and busts it off and he starts sinking into the goop he's trying to pick the lock with a knife and it gets busted off in the meantime the girls are trying to get to the hot air balloon but they can't it's too far up they find kevin costner and say hey if we let you out you're taking us with you he just goes okay <laughs> so they let him out and then he jumps in the water and he can swim at warp speed it's kind of cool because he just jumps in and poof, he's gone because you know the whole web feet thing when he gets in his boat they're trying to get the doors open so he can get out they do a lot of stunt work where he's zipping yeah. on the ropes to go turn the thing where he can open the doors and then he zips back down and on the boat something else that really bothered me there's tons of smokers already in the inside boat, yeah and then they take a perfectly good patrol boat oh yeah the kamikaze thing the kamikaze yeah like, they said is... kamikaze and they run it in there and and blow the thing up this is perfectly good patrol boat it's armored probably an 80s or 70s model but this thing had to be super rare in this world mm -hmm. and they just blew it up and they already had guys inside there and he's got the harpoon gun where he hooks the machine gun boat and he starts moving it out of position dennis hopper's trying to direct what to do and the, and the idiot firing the machine gun just keeps shooting the whole time and he's shooting everything up starts shooting his own guys blows yeah. up dennis hopper's boat the bad guys in this movie are just sort of played for laughs and that's kind of a problem because they just aren't very menacing they look and act like idiots his mask is really cool, though. The pig snout looking yeah. thing. So after Kevin Costner gets away, the smokers run wild. They're looking for the girl. 
they got a couple guys chained up and it's almost a sully moment where dennis hopper is like i won't kill whoever tells me what i want to know so he shoots the one guy and gets some information out of the other and the guy's like wait you said you wouldn't kill me and dennis hopper's like did i i don't remember here i maybe i did gives the gun to the other guy and has him shoot him <laughs> i'm just thinking of arnold in commando where he's like remember sally when i promised to kill you last that's right major you did i lied <laughs> And then we get your line of the movie where we see Dennis Hopper's been injured yep. and he's got this eye patch on. Best line of the movie. Yeah, he just lost the eye and guessing <laughs> the, the explosion. And it's just... We gotta keep an eye out for that icky freak. Okay, so we see Kevin Costner they're escaping. He says they have to throw the girl overboard because the boat's taken in water. Yeah. I thought he was kidding. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, he's not kidding. So the woman tries to seduce him in order to let them stay. Which is really awkward, and I remember... It's very awkward, and we get some bare booty, but it's not really hers, it's a body double. Is it really? It is. It's a body double. It is. Double. Which is know. weird, because she did nude scenes before this movie, and after this movie. She just not want to be... <laughs> I guess she just didn't want to be around Kevin Costner without her clothes. That's great. <laughs> I remember being a kid and watching this and yeah. feeling really bad. As a normal human being, be like, no, stop it, I'll just help you. Kevin Costner clearly thought about it. He's like, ah, maybe. He just says, you have nothing I need. Like, shoots her down cold. So then she decides, before she even gets dressed again, she grabs a spear gun. Um, you want to put your dress back on first? It'd be a lot <laughs> less awkward than you trying to cover up with one hand and hold a spear gun on him with the other. I mean, is she bipolar or something? And then she saw him in action, right? And you think he's not just going to be able to overpower you instantly, which he does. He gets the drop on her, literally, with his sail, and then just smacks her with an oar. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Dennis Hopper attempting to get a fake eye, but it doesn't really work out. They're playing him for laughs. It's one of those things where they got all this kind of dark stuff going on. There's this world they've set up where things are rough and wild, and these guys are supposed to be the bad guys, but they're clowns. He goes driving through his ship. They're playing the theme from Peter Gunn. It made me think of the Blues Brothers. These guys are trying to follow after his car and he's throwing cigarettes at him like it's a parade. Oh, yeah. And that clearly becomes why these guys follow him is he provides them with he likes the smokes. stale cigarettes. They got smokes and booze and they got so many smokes. It's like, again, how long has it been? Where are these cigarettes come from? Mm -hmm. There's nobody sitting there rolling these cigarettes. They're getting them out of packs. They've got filters on them. Where the heck are these coming from? And we also see that they've got a guy floating around on a boat in the bottom of this oil tanker who is just there apparently to tell them how much oil they have oh, left. Yeah. Instead that, of bringing him back up after he tells them, he just kind of whizzed down there. Yeah, I really like, I like that idea. The hell? I like that weirdness. <laughs> it's weirdness very odd. There is some derricks. They do show some working in the corner of like... Uh, Maybe underneath there or something. Yeah, because yeah. I know they got the oil, but I didn't see any way they were making gasoline. How is this and the, working? the oil they had, too, was very crude, nasty stuff. I think they were really good bad guys. I think they weren't menacing, for sure. And they're very Mad Max-like, but they're missing one key element to mm. it. They need a couple mutated guys that are way too big or super weird. Like Mad Max, you know, they always had... Like always... Humongous. Humongous what? Humongous what? Humongous yeah. what? Is that sexual harassment? Humongous what? The Lord Humongous! The warrior of the wasteland! The Ayatollah of Rock and Roller! Yeah, Humongous, and then what was the name of the... The two guys, the the midget and the big guy. Oh, Master Blaster. Yeah, Master yeah. Blaster, yeah. That's the thing. The Even the second-hand guy, the lion-o-looking dude, it doesn't look very menacing. No. He's just like a dude with fancy hair. He's not even physically intimidating. And the main character, uh, Dennis Hopper, reminded yeah. me so much of Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Really? Just out booze and just absolutely insane <laughs> and just crazy. I loved it. No, 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 no. John Malkovich is Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, maybe I'm sensing a theme in movies I liked when I was a kid. Oh, you like bad guys with bald heads. <laughs> so we see Kevin Costner getting pissed off because the little girl has stolen his crayons and is drawing pictures of stuff on his boat. And she's been yeah. doing this where she's drawing pictures of trees and horses, things that nobody would have seen because the whole earth is covered in water. So he gets mad at her for stealing his crowns, and I kind of like that, that he's acting like a kid, real possessive about his stuff. <laughs> he worked hard for that shit. Yeah, exactly. There's no stuff. So anybody, even something as simple as crayons, yeah. he's like extraordinarily possessive of it. I thought that was a really good character moment. For sure. So he gets pissed off at her, and he just throws her off the boat. <laughs> he just chucks her over the side, and then they're like, she can't swim! Oh, yeah. Bitch, this is water world. The <laughs> first thing you ought to be able to do is learn how to swim. Are you exactly. kidding me? Well, they're clearly presenting her as, like, this is somebody that was meant for the ground or the earth. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the things where they're kind of giving hints that she knows or came from dry land. Exactly. Because, you know, dry land is presented as this mythical thing. It's this place that doesn't really exist. It's something like the way we talk about Atlantis. You yeah. know, it's something that rumored, but nobody has ever seen it, ever been there. And that's the other thing. They don't really tip off where this girl came from. We see her on, on the atoll, but... You know, somebody put her in a boat with a little note or something. How did she get there? Because Jean Triplehorn's not her mom. Yeah. She got there somehow, but we don't know anything about her. But she draws all this weird stuff. She draws what she sees, is what they say. I don't know. It just seems to me like the first thing that anybody would learn how to do in this world is swim. Without a doubt. Even if you're somebody in hiding or something. I get it. They were hiding her. Mm -hmm. She didn't grow up with her parents, who probably would have taught her how to swim. So it makes sense. She was super protected. Then it turns into this is a hilarious scene, I think. Somehow, doesn't one of the ropes get cut? They get attacked by a plane. Oh, the, there's yes, like the, the, the smokers. The, the smokers come by on a plane and they see him because they're out looking for Kevin Costner. Because he turned around to help her get back in the boat. Yeah, so they dropped his sails or he pick her back up. This plane comes by and starts strafing them, trying to shoot him up. They're like, ah, just don't hit the girl. It's like, yeah, you're taking a chance, dude. You're oh, just kind of yeah. shooting wildly. Gene Triplehorn gets the harpoon gun and shoots the plane and hooks it. So now it's a situation where the plane is tied to the boat and it's like a tether ball. It's circling in closer and closer to the mast. And then the harpoon gun breaks off of its base and gets caught in the rigging. The pilot eventually shoots the rope, which is something we talked about with the Conair review. Oh, yeah. It takes him a few shots. Though. He doesn't do it the first time. It fires two or three times before he finally hits the line. It's also kind of funny as the pilot is Jack Black. No way. Yes way. One of his Holy early screen shit. roles, yeah. I did not know that. Though. Yeah, he's not very recognizable. Oh. You see pictures of him, you'll say, oh yeah, that's him. But he's got the Black. outfit on and the goggles and everything, so you don't really that's, notice it's that's him. That's pretty mind-blowing. I didn't even know that was Jack Black in that. That had been, yeah, definitely one of his early uh, yeah. films. So yeah, the boat was getting tipped over on its side, and then and the rope gets cut. It flips back up, and Kevin Costner gets thrown into the ocean. The gun crashes down into the netting of the boat and makes a big hole in it, and he's so pissed that he cuts the women's hair. Yeah, no, that's hilarious. <laughs> he cuts Gene triple horns, and then the girl starts giving him shit, and then he notices that she's been drawing on his boat again after he told her to stop, <laughs> so he ends yeah. up cutting her hair, too. Well, you see, he sees the crayon <laughs> in her, hair, her yeah. hand. He sees the crayon again, and it's and like, uh-huh. He goes up to her and just straight Paul Mitchell locks <laughs> that shit off and it's great so they come across a drifter who's got these little green flags up and it's supposed to mean that he's wanting to trade it's a cool boat yeah it's they're like talking about uh, they're, they're all trying to get food 
He says he hasn't eaten in forever, but he doesn't look like that skinny. Like, he's starving. He was in pretty good shape. So maybe he was lying about it. He acts completely batshit. He's talking to himself. It's almost like they wanted Robin Williams, but couldn't get Robin Williams. Because if they had had Robin Williams, it would have been like... You know, I kind of get good. a hook vibe from this movie as well. Oh, yeah? Just a little bit, yeah. Just the fighting <laughs> and sequences and... Pirate stuff. Yeah, the pirate stuff. He shows Kevin Costner that he's got paper. Paper! And he wants to trade it for like half an hour with the woman. He kind of reminds me of Polly Shore as well. Huh. I, I even almost the point is like, well, it kind of doesn't like Polly Shore. Crater, yeah, he was yeah. great. I liked his character a lot. And this is another part he, that made me sad as a kid coming up. So he's, he's like, yeah, go ahead. Take the woman for half an hour. I want this paper for some reason. So he takes it, but then he, he changes his mind. They go down below decks and she's getting ready to kill the guy anyway. So they get into a fight. Kevin Costner comes down and says, no, nope, here, take your paper back. I changed my mind. They say, oh, you can't do that. So he gets pissed off and they have a fight. And then they have a nice little reveal where he comes up on the deck first and he's got a bloody knife. And you think that he's yeah, you he know, won him. the fight. And then he gets up and he's all bleeding down the back and keels over dead. So since he's dead, Kevin Costner goes over and just robs the guy's boat and <laughs> starts taking everything off of it. Yeah. And it, it made me sad as a kid because, oh my God, you just sold this woman. And Again, this is not really a movie for children. No, and... it's a very dark movie. <laughs> and then there's a really weird cut because he takes the guy's body and he kicks it overboard. You see the boat next to him. And in the very next cut, he's grabbing the fishing pole and throwing it over the side and telling him it's useless. But the guy's body and the boat have completely vanished. So I'm thinking there must be something missing in between there because he got really pissed off at him for like, oh, you can never catch anything with this. So I'm thinking there must be a deleted scene where they were trying to fish with the pole and something happened. But it's just like out of nowhere, bam, and the boat and everything else is gone. I do remember a scene, though, where there's somebody, either the girl or the woman, was messing with the fishing. They were messing with it a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. they were talking about maybe trading for that. Yeah. Goes, but they didn't nice do anything else hole. with it. It's just all of a sudden, bam, there's like this really dirty looking cut. Yeah. And he's like, you're not going to catch anything with this. See, I didn't even notice that. So he's like, here, I'll I'll catch you some fish. And he like jumps this over. This is where it gets crazy. <laughs> it literally he jumps, jumps the shark. Yeah, he goes down below, gets a double-ended harpoon gun. Mm-hmm. And throws himself over the boat. He's attached to a line. He goes into the water. He gets swallowed by a lump of CG shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know what the, the fuck hell? was that fish. I didn't know if, when I first saw it, you know, in the 90s, I'm sitting there going, is that supposed to be a shark or is that like a giant crocodile? What the hell is that? The, you let the, it eat him? The crocodile thing in Resident Evil 4 looked better. It basically jumps up and swallows Kevin Costner. And then it's shot so poorly that you can't see what the hell is going on. It's a really bad CG thing that grabs him, but it looks like they, in the next shot they had a shark. Mm -hmm. Not a live shark, a Jaws sort of well, thing. Something Because it, it looked like a practical thing in the water at something. some point, but it's just a real quick shot. And then you cut to underwater where there's bubbles and stuff, but you can't see a damn thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, kaboom. Uh, he somehow blows it up, I guess, from the inside of its stomach. Yeah. But then you don't see how he gets out or how he survived the explosion. <laughs> Because it's like it explodes. There's like a yeah. kaboom. It's not like he just shot it with a harpoon. I have no clue what happened. Except that, was, that somehow he killed it. And That might now be one he, of the worst part of the movies for me. And the next thing you know, he's throwing fish on some hot coals and saying, here, eat. Yeah. Something clearly happened to the fish here. Yeah, it's like a goldfish. You know, when you put it in a bigger tank, they grow bigger. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> the timing in this movie makes no sense. Was it a nuclear war? Caused mutations? Why the hell did this fish... Look like it hopped off the set of episode one of Star Wars. <laughs> There's always a bigger fish or whatever there it is. is. There's always a bigger fish. And that was a pretty big fish. Oh, it's one of those examples of mid-90s 
CG that needed to cook more. Mm -hmm. And there are just tons of movies from 95 to 98 that, hey, we can start using more CG. It's getting better. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, it's not. Garbage. How I would have shot that scene is maybe have him use the fishing pole to catch a fish and then catch a fish and then they get excited and then they go to eat it but he's like no this is for bait and mm -hmm. then have some other crazy invention because this boat's full of crazy inventions yeah for fishing a much bigger fish then and then bring that thing up yeah and make it out of rubber not the fucking computer well it looked like they had a rubber th or shark or whatever yeah they one did shot the, it's like the very next shot after Kevin Costner eats him you yeah. see like a fin and something swimming but it's so brief and it's like if you had a practical thing was it that bad mm -hmm. that you couldn't use it and that you cover it up so fast? Which is really disappointing. And the thing is, he's, he just jumps over the boat. There's no bait except him kind of swimming yeah. behind the boat. There's no chum. In this movie... It's they... not like Jaws where, you know, Roy Scheider's chucking shit out of the back of the boat to try and attract a shark. It's There's nothing in there that would attract what you would think a shark would go after if it's supposed to be a shark. No sense. But how many people have we seen in the water in this movie? They got food, so finally they quit bitching. It's after this point, the movie slows way down, and we get a lot of stuff where they just talk and talk, and then at one point, Kevin Costner's teaching the girl how to swim, and Gene yeah. Triplehorn freaks out and is like, oh, What are you doing? There's monsters! Don't kill her! Oh, they're asleep now. Like, what? freaking, what? You're, they're asleep now? It's the same time of day you just caught one. Exactly. It's the it daytime. No it's sense. not like you're doing it at night. It's not like you caught the thing at night. How many times have we seen people swimming in this movie and that was the only time that a monster comes and attacks somebody? Yeah. And it just happened to be the one time that they wanted a monster to come and attack somebody so that they could eat. This I mean, I understand if, you, if you're saying in the movie that the humans have mutated, it would, it would stand a reason that animal life has mutated as well. But yeah, it didn't make any sense as far as the way they shot it and what they did with it. And how it's all of a sudden, oh, it's okay to go swimming now. Why? <laughs> How do you know they're asleep? Are you Aquaman? Are you communicating telepathically <laughs> with them? Yeah, I, unless he had some one of his mutations was that, that they could have said that like, oh, I have these senses, I can tell where the fish are. You know? That might have been a bit too silly, but yeah, yeah, there's no reason given for how he knows it's okay for them to go swimming. If I could jump back for a second yeah. too, because I yeah. totally forgot about this. Little girl first thing she falls in the water. They bring her out of the water. Yeah, super afraid, super scared. And then when they go back in the water to learn how to swim, she's totally fine with the water. She loves the water. After watching this massive monster <laughs> yeah. come up. I would have been like, bullshit, dude. Don't get me yeah, anywhere near that water. Are you water, kidding man. me? After I saw Jaws, I didn't want to go swimming in the lake, you know? And this thing, if in real life you saw something that big come out of there, you would have been like, no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the many points where the movie gets real corny. So they come across a trader outpost. In kind of a really neat trick where you see the traders and they're waving to them. Yeah. It's like we get at Bernie's three. They've really got lines attached to them and they're making them wave, try and get them in. But Kevin Costner senses that it's a trick or he's got the busted spyglass or whatever. And he can tell that it's an ambush set up by the smokers. They've got guys on jet skis waiting underwater. I guess they've got some kind of homemade mm -hmm. scuba. So he's trying to get away and they've got a thing where they're trying to hook his boat with a net and they keep leaning to one side or the other to get the boat to kind of go over the edge of the net mm -hmm. instead of getting the keel caught on it. So he gets away and then he throws out a computer graphic spinnaker so he can get the boat going even faster. So it's pretty obvious CG. And then they've got one of the most improbable things in the movie where Dennis Hopper's got a rifle from a massive distance away, he is able to shoot Kevin Costner even though the rifle doesn't even have a scope. It doesn't have a scope, and it has a super short barrel, so the, the round's gonna be so inaccurate. Yeah. And he gets him, like, right on the, the side of the stomach. Yeah. Kevin Costner, he then becomes suspicious that they're after the girl. 
because they keep coming after him. Gene Triplehorn tells him about the tattoo. It's supposed to be a map to dry land. He says, dry land's a myth. You want to see dry land? I'll show you dry land. So he puts her in a diving bell and goes under the surface with her and they go to a city. I think it's supposed to be Denver. Yeah. Definitely is Denver. And uh, Which, this is another part that drives me nuts about the movie. If that's Denver, do they realize the altitude in Denver? Denver itself should be dry land. Like you said earlier, but Denver is very high up. Mile high city. It's definitely Denver. And don't you understand? I thought I recognized if, it. If the ice caps melt, it's going to cover the entire planet. That's right. Thousands and thousands and thousands of feet. There's no land anymore anyway. And if it was Denver, it's going to be pretty cold in that area. The water is. Because that, that altitude, even if there's water up there, it'd probably be frozen. I don't know. This nah, you can't it's... have any frozen stuff. It's too hot. That's why the ice caps melted oh, in the true, first place. True. That's right. You can't have ice. But it's definitely Denver because <laughs> I thought I recognized it. I was like, this looks familiar. And then I saw the ski slopes. Yeah, there's like a ski run. I looked see. it up and it is definitely Denver. Okay. Which drives me insane. <laughs> you should not be swimming hundreds of feet down to find this. Well, I just don't understand why he's got that diving bell. He's out there by himself. Yeah. He doesn't need it. He's got gills. Why does he have that diving bell? In case he happens to randomly pick up somebody and decides he wants to take them swimming? I, I guess so. Also, it's only good enough for the, the woman. Like, they can't bring the little girl. can't bring both of them, which is convenient yeah. because by the time they come back up, the smokers have caught them. Yeah. And considering how quick in between their escape and his decision to take her diving are, you might want to put a little more distance between you and them before you decide to go yeah. screwing around. He was suspicious that they were being followed in the first place. Mm -hmm. So if you know you're being followed, why are you doing this diving? Especially after you figured out that they want the kid, you know you're being chased. Now let's just stop right here so I can show you that Denver's underwater. So we finally get a name for Dennis Hopper. He introduces himself as the Deacon. Other actors who were up for the part of the war just said no. Include Gene Hackman, Gary Oldman, James Caan, Lawrence Fishburne, and Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. Thanks. Samuel L. Jackson says no, then you got a real issue. <laughs> that guy says yes to everything. I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Well, he turned it down because he was going to be in Die Hard 3. Oh. So he had a legit scheduling conflict. But I'm not sure what reasons the other ones had. But Dennis Hopper said he worked on the movie for like eight months. Really? Which I would be a bit surprised because he's not really in it that much. Yeah. So they capture the girl, and he escapes underwater. He's feeding her oxygen by smooching her. Yeah. While he's breathing through his gills, he's able to blow air into her lungs to keep her going. And when they get back to the surface, they see that his boat has been destroyed. So we got Dennis Hopper is trying to talk to the kid and figure out if it's a map or she knows a way to dry land. He offers her a cigarette. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go ahead and give the six-year-old a cigarette. I worked in Quirks. <laughs> so after he gets back up there, she's like, well... Why didn't you take me when I offered myself? Mm. Basically saying, why didn't you rape me? Yeah. And. <laughs> hey, if you offer yourself, it's yeah. not rape. That's right. Hashtag her too. Um, because he said, I, I could tell you didn't want me. And then she's like, oh yeah, that's right. You were going to rape me. Thank you for not raping me. So basically she falls in love with him because he didn't rape her. They're just, they're so in love with each other then at that point. It must be love because she jumps Kevin Costner on the flaming wreck of his boat. <laughs> I'd be a little depressed that all my stuff in the world has been destroyed. And yeah, my, we're gonna my die, fancy ass we? boat is destroyed. But here, I'm, I'm going to jump you. You'll feel better. We're going to die. So let's just have sex. He goes to what's left of his ship, goes down there and sees the drawing of the tree. Okay. He freaks out and grabs a National Geographic. Yeah, he's got a couple National Geographics under there. Everything's all waterlogged. Why was he trading that guy for four pieces of paper that earlier too. if he's got, like, National Geographics? Well, that, and he's freaking out. Oh, my God, this little girl knew what a tree was. Yeah, yeah. she grew up on a toll that was centered around a massive tree. <laughs>
Yo, it could have like been Ghost grabs National Geographic and is like, oh, yes. Trees, this little trees kid's drawing. Yeah, this, <laughs> this little kid drawing and like looks at National Geographic bush and he's like, whoa. Yeah, these are the same. You're out of sea for that long. You know everything that's on that magazine. You don't have to go grab the magazine to look at it. Yeah, refresh your memory. Yeah. It's the only magazine you have. But the fire was a good thing because it let Michael Jeter in his balloon yeah. find them. There's a boat with other survivors from the atoll, mm -hmm. and they figure out that the symbols on her tattoo are numbers, and they refer to coordinates. A, a Chinese And map. that the girl has been to dry land before. Kevin Costner somehow gets a jet ski that they had, and besides he's going after the smokers, he's going to rescue this kid. Okay, can I bring up a big part of yeah. that drives me nuts about this movie? <laughs> Why don't they just draw the fucking map from the girl's back? They were talking about cutting it off. Yeah, like they were going to cut it off. off. And say, hey, we'll just stretch it well, out. Well, everyone's fighting over it. Why would you say, hey, why don't we all just write this down? <laughs> so even if we have to save her, if she dies, we still have a copy of it. Instead of making some weird-ass beef jerky shit that they were playing <laughs> on the ship. They were going to lob it off and dry it out. But yeah, that was another issue. I get it because I want to use the girl's information, but clearly she doesn't know shit about dry land. She doesn't remember it, yeah. yeah. The deacon refers to somebody called St. Joe, and it's mm -hmm. a picture of Joseph Hazelwood from the Exxon Valdez. And of course, the Exxon Valdez was an oil tanker that wrecked in March of 1989, spilled 11 million gallons of oil into Prince William Sound. They said he was drunk, but they couldn't prove it in court. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those things where they had taken a sample, but they didn't do it right. He wasn't even the guy who was steering the boat at the time. It was like the third mate. But this is the scene I was telling you about where it reinforced my thought that this is a very much an environmental yeah. movie. Yeah, because that was one of the biggest oil disasters at the time until they decided to just open up the floodgates and let however many billions of gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico in 2010 after that mess the Deepwater Horizon that's kind of done as a spoof too that they worship Joe Hazelwood yeah exactly. <laughs> again they play these guys as a clown they're supposed to be pirates but there's a bunch of violent psychopaths that have no brains they're on this huge oil tanker and Kevin Costner gets there he's sneaking aboard while Dennis Hopper's giving a speech his jet ski is found by the smokers so he's got to jump them but he's able to get their clothes and go in in disguise well, the thing is, you don't really need much to be disguised as a smoker. You just have to look dirty. Yeah. And wear goggles. Most yeah. of them have goggles wear or some goggles, kind of thing, yeah. which is convenient because it covers your face up. And he does a cool thing where he jumps the jet ski back into the ship and slams into some dude against the <laughs> post. We get a nice little scene while the kid is making fun of Lionel while Kevin Costner's getting through the boat. He's talking about how <laughs> he's killed dozens of people and he even kills little girls. And yeah. He's gonna I like that come part here and he's gonna and he's often people left yeah. and right on the way in. So it's it really sets cool him up. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. So then Dennis Hopper's like, yeah, we're going to go search for dry land now. So they, he gets everybody that's on board the ship. They have these giant oars yeah. to start propelling the tanker. So it's like a big slave galley. Well, something I realized that I thought was still a fact before when I was a kid, because around the edges of the boat, there's crustaceans. Yeah, and there's like up. huge barnacles. Yeah. I thought that the boat was just sitting on a mountain and it couldn't be moved. And that he was using that as a distraction because remember he does say right after that they'll be rolling for a month before they realize yeah that we don't know where dry land is yeah so in my mind as a little kid i thought that meant that he used that as a distraction they thought they were controlling the boat but the mm -hmm. boat's really not moving yeah it's just massive years and years worth of barnacles that are on the thing because it kind of looks like a mountain when kevin costner's getting on the thing the first time he's climbing up with all these holes i'm like oh those are convenient for all the oars yeah is what exactly. they were there for i thought that was just trying to disguise how he's supposed to climb up there and all these holes are just it was a very cool design i don't know who designed the set designer or who had the great imagination to come up with this stuff but it was really cool so everybody is gone except one lone man is walking across the deck of the <laughs> tanker and it turns out it's kevin costner and the little kid tells him you guys are in so much trouble and then uh kevin costner takes a flare threatening to drop it in the thing and do you know what this is like you're not gonna do it he's yeah. bluffing drops it right in there and blows them all up 
What is the guy that, uh, the marker, what does he say? Oh, thank God. So it blows them all up and they get these huge action scene with lots of fire and shooting and explosions. He offs Lion-O pretty easy. Yeah. They have a bit of a fight. He's chasing after him in a car and he just kills him. No action movie line. Which after Con era, hey, that was a nice change of pace. <laughs> I love that car in the movie too. It's very cool. This movie did a lot of stuff that was kind of 90s extreme broad like Kevin Costner he does a zip line down the length of the tanker deck <laughs> to stop the plane yeah, uh, Dennis Hopper's trying to take off is able to hook it so it crashes on the deck but he, he does the zip line you can tell that was all done for real that wasn't any CG stuff that was pretty nice so then the ship starts sinking but Michael Jeter shows up with his balloon again to rescue them they're climbing up but Dennis Hopper's climbing up too uh, they kick him off into the ocean and then when the tanker sinks we can see the name on the stern is the Exxon Valdez yep so they were throwing that back again Dennis Hopper shoots the blimp and it somehow knocks the kid into the ocean. There's three jet skis heading towards each other to get the kid. Kevin Costner, he's like, here, tie this thing to my leg. And he goes bungee jumping down and saves her. Extreme 90s style, brah. <laughs> what did they expect was going to happen? If he wasn't going for the little girl, they were still going to run into each other, blowing up, killing everybody. Yeah, it's like you might want to slow it down a little bit, otherwise you're going to run the girl over too. Yeah. End up killing her. So now that they've got her in, they get in the balloon and they go searching for dry land because they've figured out how to find it. They find this huge island. They land, and the island's got fresh water. Everything is so green. They find this hut with a couple skeletons inside. The girl gets into the hut and sees the music box and is like, I'm home. Yeah, and they saw the tattoo gun where they tattooed their it's, infant. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like what you said. You've got this house is still standing. They've got a boat on the shore that's still intact. I guess they don't get any storms. There is a cool moment of that scene, though, when Kevin Costner clearly hates land. The yeah. horses scare him. Yeah, he's the birds the chirping. He's killed many people, but these birds, they're getting to him, man. Mm -hmm. He's chirping. And so he sees the boat, and they're clearly insinuating Kevin Costner's like, I don't want to live on land. He's like, I'm a rambler. I got to keep on rambling. <laughs> I can't stay here anymore. He got a boat. He's got some plants on the boat, and he's setting sail for new adventures. And everyone else is going to stay there and start a new life on dry land, which has obviously got to be the top of Mount Everest. What is higher than Denver, but way higher than Denver? Because look at the the way that. Well, water remember, goes. there's no other thing anywhere. The only thing that would possibly be the top, the highest point on Earth, would be the top of Mount Everest. There's actually a deleted scene where there's the plaque that's up there talking about oh, how Sir really? Edmund Hillary and whoever else was up there found, you know, went to the top of Mount Everest in 1952 or whatever. But how hot is that earth that the top of Mount Everest is a fucking jungle? <laughs> well, not even that, but cool think there. about it. Okay, even if sea level is now 36,000 feet, you're still up 36,000 feet. Frozen, yeah. Breathing <laughs> not even that, hard. but yeah, breathing the air, I would think, would be extraordinarily difficult. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, but that's Waterworld. Gotta suspend belief. So what did you think, Greg? Well, it was weird. I hadn't seen it in such a long time. Did you go into it expecting it to suck? Yeah, I remember when I saw it in the 90s, I was kind of like, you know, it's not bad as far as movies go. I don't see $175 million in it. It's a halfway decent action movie, science fiction stuff, but not $175 million worth. It just had so many production problems and became so notorious at the time. I mean, Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds didn't work in it until Happy Old McCoys. Yeah. Wow. So they're almost 20 years. What else has this director done since then? He did 187 with Samuel L. Jackson a couple years later. The Count of Monte Cristo in 2002. He kind of dropped off the scene. And then he did Risen in 2016, the Jesus movie. I forgot all about that movie. A couple other things. Certainly nothing on this scale. This was a big undertaking, obviously. I'm surprised someone hasn't tried to reboot this. I think with how much it cost, they've gotten scared away from it. The whole yeah. idea. That's the thing about it. Nowadays, they'd probably be able to do so much more with computers. 
there was very little computer stuff in this movie. And I like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is practical effects. Well, like Some of them so kind of look a little dated, but I mean, all the action stuff is going on live. They didn't have to do any CG junk for that, so that was kind of cool. So, I mean, I imagine it would probably be a lot more possible now to make it than what they were trying to do back then, if they really wanted to. It just seems kind of silly when they start bringing water skiers in, because <laughs> it just makes me think of SeaWorld. Well, it's funny um, you mention that I, when I liked Swimmy Lyle when I was a little kid, for some reason, clearly, Universal thought this movie was going to be huge. So my parents went to Florida, and they're like, Cody, you wouldn't believe this, but they had an hour-long show based around Waterworld. And they kind of just rebuilt, like, a scene in there and had guys jumping with that and blowing stuff up. Oh, like one of those up. stunt shows. They still have it at Do they really? Universal Hollywood, yeah. Wow. 22 years later. Clearly trying to still cash in. Hey, but... we paid $175 million. We got to get that <laughs> back somehow. So did Kevin Costner learn any lessons from Waterworld? Fucking nope. What was his next movie? Postman. The Postman. <laughs> Another post-apocalyptic boondoggle that cost $80 million and made $17.6 One time I watched it as a kid, <laughs> I really liked it. 17.6? That's even so, worse than Waterworld. It didn't even get close. I mean, Waterworld made 88, and then eventually, over the years, video yeah. sales and... Google all, put it somewhere almost to 300. So eventually it made some money, but it took a long time. It's not really good enough to be good. It's not really bad enough to be bad. It's not bad enough to be good either. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. I think I'd probably give it like a 5 out of 10. It was alright, I guess. I was saying the seven, it might be even nostalgia. I love weirdness, goofiness. I love the way things are designed and thought out and how cool the imagination is behind all this stuff. But that's about it. And they clearly worked really hard on that aspect of the films. That's why I give it so high. I like it! This is mostly expected to be a box office hit. Mm -hmm. A lot of families go watch it, but it still has some dark themes to it. You see some rape kind of stuff. Just, it's really dark. They're using human corpses as fertilizer, and it's great. I love that. You don't see that nowadays. Disney owns all the big movies that come out, so yeah, they never allow. But yeah, I'd give it a seven. That's why I agree with, uh, I, you see IMDb was almost a seven? It was like a 6.1. It's worse than Con Air. How is seven. that possible? If you um, like Mad Max, and you've watched all the Mad Max three times, then maybe watch this one. I think if you like Mad Max, just watch Mad Max again. <laughs> this takes so much from it, but it's just not as good. Well, it's 90s PG-13, and you got some nudity in there. But then again, it's like you said, they have a line of toys. Did they think little kids were going to play Waterworld? Let's reenact the scene where the girl strips down and tries to seduce Kevin Costner. Well, I think this was Kenner's fault. They were at a weird time. Kenner is a famous toy line. Probably yeah, most known for doing Star Wars figures, like yeah. the original Star Wars line in the They're 70s and 80s. They're too, right? They're Ohio company. And they kind of dipped in the 80s, which is really sad because that was a big time for toys. But it was because of... Because Star Wars stopped. They yeah, stopped Star making Wars. Star Wars figures in 1985. And Hasbro took off and destroyed them. And it looked like Kenner was about to go out of business. But then Star Wars in the 90s, I remember this toy line, mm -hmm. I had a few of them, was they tried to reamp them and re-release them before they gear up for the new movies. And Kenner had gotten a huge flush of cash, and I believe, probably if you look in the history, probably gained a, a CEO that thought, like, oh, we could just do all these movie licenses. And there's some really bad ones I didn't know existed. Robin Hood, which was a movie before this, yeah. from the same director. The Congo. Congo, Which oh, is God. like, a, it, why would you make toys about Congo? I they thought it was going to be big, and that one kind of just flopped. It, yeah, it, and it, Water it did not World. do well, and then Waterworld. And which eventually led to Kenner going out of business, I think, buying all these licenses. But why you would tie something in... They must have been doing this stuff before that they saw the movie. 
Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it takes production time to ramp up, and you got to have those things in the stores by the time the movie's out for it to be relevant. Oh, yeah. And you got to be... You're Man, they must have looked at that, it. and were just like, oh, my gosh, this is not really a movie for kids. <laughs> I definitely had a few of the action figures. Because Big Lots, back when I was a kid, would get the toys that didn't sell. So I got, like, a lot of the Army of Darkness stuff, Waterworld. At this time, these toys would have been seven years old, and Big Lots was still selling them. So that's how I got into water. I watched on TV and the notes there's toys. I love the toys. I lost everything to them, but I think still my mom's house, I got two Kevin Costner action figures from it. Wait, something you said struck me. They, they made the, toy line for Army I'm of Darkness? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Oh my God. It's, that, it was either that or it was this really bad knockoff, but it had the ones where the skeletons. Yeah, that's Army of Darkness. Yeah, Army of Darkness. The skeletons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had the skeleton toys. It was either from that or something else, but I'm fairly oh, sure it's Army of Darkness. That'd be sweet and if it was. way Holy before cow. I watched any of the movies. They just look like cool action figures. Yeah, it just seems so weird because it's R-rated. look into it's it. It's R-rated. So anyways, that was Waterworld. We okay. may never see its like again. That's right. <laughs> what are we doing next? I've done the first two. Had a couple ideas. I've chose the first two, so I think you should choose this one. Drop that zero and get with the hero. What the hell is that? So Cody survived this time. He didn't get any kind of cancer from watching Waterworld. He didn't drown watching Waterworld. (laughs) So that's good. So he'll be back with us again. Thank you guys for hanging out with us all this time. If you did, if you didn't, then you're not hearing this anyways. Have some popcorn, go to the movies, and we'll talk to you later on. Peace. Bye-bye. The future. In a world where both of our cars were totally underwater.